Hi, I'm Jake Walsh. And I'm Orion Lamontagne. Thank you for tuning in to the Manageable MBA podcast, where we have deep dive conversations with students, faculty, staff, and alumni to give you a comprehensive picture of the life inside of a top-tier MBA program. In this episode, we speak with Sam Apoku and Sonia Tureke. Sam is a dual MD MBA, and Sonia is a full-time MBA. In our conversation, Sam and Sonia share their experience traveling to Ghana over their last winter break through the Global Perspectives program here at the University of Buffalo School of Management. If you are interested in participating in a global program and want to learn more about the experiences you can expect, this episode is a must-listen for you. Be sure to check out our show notes where we will post links to the UB MBA webpage and contact information for Sam, Sonia, and ourselves. If you enjoy this podcast, follow us on Twitter at UB MBA and MS to stay up to date on what's happening in the UB School of Management, where extraordinary is our normal. Thank you and enjoy. back to this uh, next um, episode of the Manageable MBA podcast. This is the fifth we are recording. I'm not sure if it is the fifth you're listening to, but today we are here with um, Sonia Tereke and Sam Apoku. Is that That's correct? Right. Okay. Um, and we are going to be talking to these two about the Global Perspectives program that is uh, offered here at UB. And it's a chance for individuals to travel abroad and to do um, different projects in different parts of the world through our school. Um, and both Sam and Sonia went to Ghana, um, and we're going to talk about that. So I want to just start us off with, um, before we get into that, who are you? How about we start with that? Tell us about Thanks who you first. are. I knew it. <laughs> Sam's a gentleman, so I knew it was coming. All right, so hi, guys. Uh, welcome to the podcast, or Kwaba, we should say, in tweet, uh, which means welcome. So my name is Sonia Tereke. I'm currently a first-year MBA student here at UB. Um, I'm really tempted to eat this chocolate that I'm having right in front of me from Ghana, but we're going to hold off to later in the segment as Jake Jake, uh, has planned. So, yeah, I'm in my first year. I'm looking forward to talking about this trip. It was amazing. It was during the winter session. Sam and I had the pleasure of going for the full duration of the trip. So we were there for about three and a half weeks, I would say. So a lot to talk about, but you'll get into into that later. So, Sam? Yep. Uh, Once again, my name is Samuel Poku. Um, I am a uh, first-year MBA as well. A dual degree, just uh, finished my third year of medical school. Um, so, you know, this is all uh, kind of coming together for me. Uh, I got a lot of uh, aspirations in the business realm and, you know, also obviously want to be a doctor. So uh, that's why I combined the two. And uh, I was originally born in Ghana myself, um, oh, came really? to the States. Yep. Oh, wow. I, was, I was actually going to ask, uh, you know, yeah. why you picked Ghana to uh, travel. Yeah. So um, I mean, I, at least as far as the global programs um, options goes, Ghana was the only one at the time. That had a medical component as well as you know the uh, business component. So that's that was the biggest draw. But then obviously you know being my home country, that was um, you know even more icing on the cake. Um, I came to the states when I was about two years old. Uh, grew up in Queens, New York. So shout out to Queens. Um, and then uh, you know education took me through Dayton and now Buffalo, New York. So you know just having a good time. Having a good time. Wow, that's that's awesome. So I mean. Um, one of the things with the Global Perspective programs is the different programs kind of focus on different aspects in their relationship to business and whatnot. So I know um, like the Costa Rica one that Sonia and I are doing later is like entrepreneurship. Um, but the Ghana one being medical focused, obviously you're a doctor. What was what was your interest, Sonia, into, into Ghana um, as it's 
I'm not, do you have a medical, medical aspirations? <laughs> um, I don't. I once upon a time did, yeah. but I found out sort of, you know, how much time to, to go to <laughs> So I decided to go on the medical portion just because I felt like if I was going to take the trip to Ghana, two weeks, it's a whole different time zone. I'm going to have to adjust. It's a whole different, you know, country. Mm-hmm. I feel like I would have adjusted right at the end of the two weeks. And by the time I got fully adjusted, it would have been time to pack up and leave. So I felt like I needed a little bit more time and I felt that in the medical portion of the team, even though I didn't have medical skills, there's still things that you can bring to the table. There are still logistics involved in the hospital or in medical care or in the pop-up shops that we kind of did. So I felt like there was a spot for a a non-medical student. So I'm hoping I'm working with Professor Asimov to hopefully set up a position where there will actually be room for non-medicals to go to, to that portion of the trip recurrently every single year. Mm-hmm. It's, since it's the only, it's only the second year that the trip has been up and running. Sure. So you can still mold and kind of, there are so many ways where you could create a position, even though there is none. And that's, we'll talk about that later with the projects that we had to do for the management portion. But I feel like there's always something for you to do as long as you're open and willing to, you know, learn and volunteer your time. So I just wanted to go because I felt like I wanted to spend more time there than just two weeks. Mm-hmm. Was this, was this, both of your first time traveling abroad, or have you guys done trips before? I've done a couple of trips, yeah. uh, a couple of vacations, as they call them nowadays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> kind of plans. You should just plan your trip to Cuba, right? Uh, yeah, actually, mm-hmm. the week before uh, going to Ghana, I was in Cuba. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my girlfriend uh, took us for the holiday, which was really nice. Um, so I got a couple of different uh, international experiences, um, but nothing in this capacity, mm-hmm. you know, um, in terms of just the, the work that had to be put in and then you know, also in conjunction with an educational institution um, that obviously has a different connotation than just traveling abroad on your own or, you know, for leisure. Uh, but it gave me a different perspective of travel that I've come to really, really appreciate. Mm-hmm. And likewise, this wasn't my first trip through UB, but it was my first international trip. So mm-hmm. I did a domestic uh, service trip, which is kind of similar. It's, I don't know if it's running still, but it was alternative spring break. And we went to Bama, actually. So we got to go down south. We had oh, some good old home cooking. I still nice, miss Martha's. Nice. Um, we went to Montgomery. <laughs> we went to Selma. We went to... Yeah, we went to Birmingham. So we kind of just hopped around all around Alabama. It was kind of similar to what we did, but it wasn't medical oriented. It was kind of volunteering in schools, churches, yeah. other spots. Whereas this was my first international trip through UB. So, yeah, I figured I could have done, you know, Rome, Italy. I could have done, you know, China, which is the go-to in the School of Management. And that's kind of been the School of Management's baby since its inception. But, you know, if I had the chance to go to Africa (laughs) and school is subsidizing a part of the trip and you're getting to go with other students, I figured why not? So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And my family is from East Africa, so I was able to also go to Ethiopia at the same time after the trip. So it was kind of a a pilgrimage for Sam and I. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fascinating, you know, to to be able to do that. so when did you, like, how did this start about, before you started the program, did you know about these trips? Were you interested in that? Or was it something that after you got to the school, you started thinking about? Um, well, so for me, um, I have a friend named Evelyn. Uh, she was one of the, I guess you could say, like, uh, grad, graduate, like, administrators in, in a capacity. Um, so she kind of helped uh, Professor Asamoa kind of put together, you know, logistically what we were going to be doing that, uh, in Ghana. She went the previous year. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's also an MD, MBA, and so I had heard wind of it from her originally. And then actually during my uh, my interview, um, I happened to run into Professor Asimov <laughs> in the office. And, yeah, and uh, I think 
the first thing she said to me was, oh, are you Ghanaian? And I said, yes. And they said, oh, cool, we're going to Ghana in December, so I'll see you there. <laughs> so it was decided. Uh, it was decided. Uh, but, you know, I mean, it, for me, like I said, I got some really long-term goals, uh, philanthropic goals specifically in Ghana that I would like to accomplish. Um, so having the opportunity to touch on that from, you know, in an in a educational environment where all of this would be a little bit more structured for me and I get to kind of see kind of what uh, Sonia was talking about with, you know, the logistics of things and, and kind of getting more of the conceptual understanding of how these things are run. That was like a godsend to me. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much how I found out about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I found out that she didn't walk up to me and say, we're going yeah. back your back. <laughs> but um, she, Professor Asimo was uh, my professor in undergrad because I was also in the school of management uh, in the business program as an undergraduate. So I heard about the trip. It was a pilot trip. And I wanted to go the first semester, it's just that I didn't have, you know, I didn't have the funds and I didn't save up for it. So I didn't plan accordingly. So I got a hostess gig at TGI Friday. So, you know, if you want to 50% discount, <laughs> come visit me Saturday nights. And so I started hostessing my fall semester. <laughs> <laughs> I started hostessing and I saved. So I already knew before I applied to the MBA program that I wanted to go. I just knew that I had to save up for it. Because, you know, when you go to Ghana, you just start Absolutely. buying all these souvenirs. Yeah. And I wanted to travel beforehand and after, which we could talk about later. So I did a little bit of an extended trip. So, yeah, I knew from the year before that I wanted to go. I just had to plan accordingly for it the following year. So I traveled before and I went to Europe before. And then we also, a couple of us went to South Africa after. And I know you guys did Morocco. Yes. So to Casablanca. Mm-hmm. Um, transit. Mm-hmm. So it was a good time. So you I find yourself on the other opposite side of the world. You yeah. might as well take advantage Why of that. Why not? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so. The coinage that uh, it takes to get there, you know, you got to take advantage. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so take a step back a quick second, I guess, or to explain a little more on it, how many people went on this trip? Like how large was this trip? And then what was the split? Cause from what I understand, it's not just business students. There are some like just straight medical students as well. Um, and then between the two aspects between the medical and the, the business portion of the trip, kind of how was that split up? How many were we? Because every time we went somewhere, we would take over a space. And yeah. We kind of had to be mindful of that while we were there. Yeah. That was a piece of feedback, you know, because, you know, we love feedback and reflection yep. was a big piece of the trip. Absolutely. We were like, be mindful, you know, you guys are a group, a large group of Americans. So anytime you go somewhere, you know, yeah. we tend to be a little bit more loud, a little yeah. bit more. Oh, we definitely stuck out. Noticeable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Visually, <laughs> no. you know, know verbally. Uh, MD, MBAs, myself and Evelyn. <laughs> um, I know there was a nurse practitioner from Crazy. Uh, we also had an MPH student, uh, let's say... Daniel. We had two MPH students. Two MPH Daniel students. Um, and then there were five pharmacists, at least on the medical side of things. Um, so then when uh, we kind of broke and split up into the management side of things, um, I know a couple of the pharmacists went back. Some stayed for a little bit, but didn't stay for the, uh, you know, the duration. Um, we also had some undergraduate students maybe like... The majority of management students were undergrads. So yeah, really. undergrads took over yeah. this Ghana trip, which was really impressive. The MBA side, we had myself, we had Alex Goldberg, we had Ethan Sokolowski, mm-hmm. we had um, Teresa Monroe, who was the yeah. other MBA. Actually, we had three MBA students. Yeah. So we had a lot. We had a lot. Of, we had a couple of MBAs, but the majority were undergrads. So I don't want to go through the list as, as yeah. much as I would love to give everybody a shout out. Shout out. <laughs> probably 20 of us, maybe, yeah, if so we count both medical and. Combined, I would say about 30 to 35. Oh, 30, wow, I would wow. say roughly 33 between the medical and the management combined. Big undergrad teams. and grad. And did you, guys, did you guys know each other prior or some, some <laughs> connections prior? There was a, you know, a, a little bit of a, a class that we had prior to 
Um, that was pretty much for the purposes of getting to know um, one another before the trip, mm-hmm. um, which was which was definitely very nice. Um, obviously, with uh, our different schedules, it was kind of difficult to get everyone there at the same time. But over the course of the semester preceding the actual trip, we definitely did get to see everyone. At least yeah, I think the class was essential because oh, yeah. the previous year, the first year they went, they didn't have a seminar, so they kind of all met. On ground zero, just went and was like, hey, we didn't really need a buffalo. (laughs) So their feedback after coming back was, I wish we had time to kind of get to know each other before we went. Because then we kind of got to know each other, and then at the end of the two weeks, you know, time to go home. So I think that's why they implemented the class, and then we all kind of got to know each other during the class. Though the medical students had a separate, I don't know if you guys had a seminar. Did you? Um, So we were invited to the class as well. Um, And I guess for the medical team, we did have certain initiatives that were a little bit different just in terms of like getting to understand what vaccines we would need because obviously that the, the population we would be seeing is a little bit different from just a standard trip to Africa or Ghana for that matter. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was just a couple of things here and there. But for the most part, we still all kind of interacted collectively as just one unit. Mm-hmm. Right. yellow fever shots oh yeah you know, hit yep. up michael hall that's another thing a lot of us went to passport help directly and we paid for it out of pocket when we did not realize that you know michael hall on the south campus had some of the shots in supply so you know i did not that know bank that. for I, that i did not know that really. <laughs> but for anybody who's considering the trip i would highly recommend going uh, man i yeah, yeah i wish i could say that shot for us costa rica yeah. Yeah. maybe i'll hit up the, the hall over there okay mm-hmm. okay yeah that's mm-hmm. good to know um so I guess rolling onto that then, um, treatment, like I'm interested, you know, what was, what were you actually doing on like boots on the ground over there? You know, I'm yeah. sure from the medical standpoint, <laughs> things were a little bit different. Uh, yeah. you have a little bit more, uh, authority in what you can do there, sure. but I'm curious, you know, like what was the process? What were you guys doing? Okay. So, um, there were, I want to say like three main kind of initiatives that we did, um, while we were in Ghana. So the first part we did a uh, clinic for, um, pretty much like school children um, elementary school age and um so we kind of had that it was actually uh, we set up our mobile tent like right outside of uh the school uh lesson prep i want to say is the name of the school um so you know we had i want to say they were anywhere from like five years old to yeah yeah because that's what happens again is you know when you say we're doing this program here obviously if i'm bringing my kid and hey i got a earache could you look into it for me? So there's a lot of that going on. So you did have to kind of be, you know, on your toes and then be very flexible and adaptable, which was a very big theme of the entire trip. But, um, you know, for the most part, the kids, they, they were just super appreciative. Um, some of them were really sick. And, you know, for those, we would kind of like just recommend to the hospital. But a lot of it was mostly just education. You know, so you have a lot of people that aren't necessarily exposed to specifically westernized medicine and, and and how to approach relatively uh, fixable ailments. Um, so just kind of talking to them and getting them to see how, you know, you take care of, you know, like a headache or how you take care of, uh, you know, like a tummy ache and, and just supportive measures um, for the most part. They, uh, you know, were very appreciative of things like that. Um, the other takeaway was that on our side, you know, there was a lot of malaria, which is not something you typically see here. So it took a lot of adapting for us to kind of get used to, you know, what medications that we should give because um, some of the things that we would potentially use here in the States, they either go by like a different trade name, what have you. So um, there was a little bit of an adjustment period kind of getting to that. But once you kind of, you know, put that all together, it's just, you know, it's, it's just hit the ground running. And uh, it was just a very fulfilling experience. So that was at least the Bowlesh prep. I think we did that for two days, if I'm not mistaken. 
Um, then we left. Uh, this was the main initiative. We left for uh, some place called the Dwarf Islands, and we're hoping to change the name to the Hope Islands. Um, so that is an area very, very underserved. Uh, you know, it took us, I think, a two and a half hour bus ride to get to the, the dock, essentially, to take another, uh, I want to say it's an hour long boat ride. Um, and that's exactly the same way how they would have to travel in order to get to a hospital. So, you know, obviously you can imagine just how grueling that would be for someone, especially if you are sick at the time. So, um, you know, we finally get to the actual location and we set up our tents and, and kind of our, our camp and where we're going to be sleeping and where we're going to be um, taking care of patients. Um, so that in, in its entirety was about three days, I want to say. Um, so we were at one location for about two days and then we left and went to another location for about a day and a half or so. Um, and that was the, the bulk of it, man. We saw everything. Uh, we had a guy come in with a laceration on his head that was really deep. Um, so, you know, we had to do some stitching and then suturing of that. Uh, we had a kid come in who had a mass on his, uh, by his jaw that, um, you know, we actually found out was, was cancerous. Um, so he was able to come back with us, uh, as we were leaving, uh, the, the, the area to go back to, um, uh, the hospital. Um, so he was fortunately able to be seen uh so we did get word back that he's being taken care of and he's getting the proper medication so he's going to get uh, through it which you know if we didn't come that day and someone didn't see that and say hey look like this looks pretty serious and you know he might still be there to this day kind of just trying to wing it um so it's it's very important that we get the word out that there are places like this um everywhere um, but, you know, if you do have the ability to help, it's, it's you know, definitely beneficial to the people and, and even to yourself. Like, I have been supremely rewarded for this experience, you know, just uh, just for my own emotional sanctity and, and uh, mentally. It's just been a fantastic experience for me. Um, I think all in all, at least from the uh, Hope Island component, we probably saw, I want to say somewhere between five to seven hundred patients um, a, a day, if not more. Um, so there were, uh, four, so there were three practitioners and then myself and Evelyn also served as practitioners while we were there. Um, so, you know, it's just like a regular doctor's visit, come in, you know, what's been bothering you, do a physical exam and then, you know, kind of proceed from there based on what we decide, uh, you know, we think is going on and we either give you treatment or, or what have you. We did come with some of our own medications which was awesome. Um, we did get some, uh, some I forget the name of the, the place that actually helped donate some of the, uh, the uh, pharmaceuticals, but that was a godsend. Um, you know, so we thank them for that. Um, and, you know, just having some of the supplies on hand to be able to do things like uh, the sutures and uh, uh, kind of just repairing just, you know, uh, scrapes and bruises here and there. That was something that's just, would be very uncomfortable for a patient on a, on a daily, but just given that, given the ability to touch them and, and see that, you know, they're getting some type of treatment that in itself can be therapeutic a lot of the time. So uh, that was just a fantastic experience. And then we culminated that finally we came back to Accra from the islands and we um, went to, uh, this was the chief's house, which is awesome. And the chief actually, uh, palace, <laughs> palace, <apologize. laughs> the chief actually let this is palace to, uh, to see some of the uh, senior citizens in the area, which was a pretty cool experience. Um, and they, man, they just full of energy and love for everyone. They prayed for us almost like nonstop. It was, <laughs> it was fantastic. 
Um, and, you know, we were able to do things like uh, get them kind of fitted for glasses. We had some glasses that were donated and kind of just did a, you know, like an on-the-spot optometry clinic there, too. So, you know, a very diverse range of different uh, things that we had to try out there. Most of them had, like, hypertension-type issues. So, you know, some of the medications that we bought, we were able to just give them to them uh, in, like, a 30-day supply. But obviously, we want to get them to follow up and, and get to a doctor where they can kind of get that treatment more regularly than, you know, what we can provide in you know, one week period. So uh, it's been, man, uh, just a fantastic experience. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Sam's being humble. You were also translated. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, the, there's a bit of a language barrier, <laughs> as you can imagine. So, um, at least for the uh, the school and the uh, the senior clinic, um, we spoke tree there, or should I say, the the patients there mostly spoke tree. Um, and that is my native tongue. So we, my parents speak it at home. So I was able to, you know, help translate um, in, in that regard. But when we were actually at the Dwarf Islands, they speak a, a little bit of a different dialect. So we did need to, even I needed a translator at that point, um, uh, just because I wasn't too familiar with the with the tongue there. But um, yeah, that obviously you could imagine how big of a barrier that would be. But having people that were, um, you know, able to understand the process, Evelyn, uh, the other MBA is also. Um, you know, able to translate, and, and she spoke the language actually both in Accra, which is where we had the uh, the senior clinic, um, as well as um, we were at the Dwarf Islands. So she's multi talented. <laughs> so you know, thank God for that. I mean, you know, I'm sure, especially being from Ghana yourself, and just understanding that it's a completely different part of the world. You know, you had to have some expectations going in. But was there anything that when you actually got there and you were you know on the ground starting to do work that you know, struck you or stuck out that was even different than you had expected or maybe, in, you know, any in particular struggles with the people that you just weren't quite ready for? Sure. Um, I mean, outside of just the access, that that was the biggest thing. I mean, we, like when we're on the Dwarf Islands, this is an area where, I mean, there's literally no, like, running water, electricity. So um, when it's six o'clock, it's, it's nighttime. And that means, like, options and uh, pretty much everything stops. You know, so um, I, I kind of didn't realize that that was something that people were still kind of dealing with in, in, in the modern world. And it was a big kind of shock to me. It was also refreshing to me um, being able to just kind of like plug out for <laughs> like a solid week and not have to look at your phone. not have to worry about, you know, everything that goes on, uh, kind of just all the noise. And, and that was very just peaceful for me. You know, you realize how much time in a day you waste just kind of looking at your phone screen and i think apple tracks that now right four hours a day uh, all right. American. <laughs> man yeah. so yeah have you tracked yourself yet me mm-hmm. that's pretty low i yeah. keep my phone off for the I, part, yeah. so yeah I'm, I'm aspiring to be more like Jay. right exactly for the rest of us like even as we're recording this right now my phone is buzzed maybe yeah. 10 times yeah. and when we were there you know some places where you just didn't have wi-fi didn't yeah. have service and there are option to buy service you can go yep. through Vodafone yep. we just didn't want to because it yep. was so nice to like you and said you, you enjoy people's company more, mm-hmm. you know and, and what people have to offer and and I think that was reflected um, very much in the people um, and that was something to probably speak to this but I saw you know just the level of hospitality people had there and just the love for their fellow man mm-hmm. man it, it kind of just completely changed my perspective on you know what what do we really consider important you know, in life, we're here. I think uh, in in the U.S., it's you know a lot of um, emphasis on just materialistic things and then trying to get to a certain point in your life. But you know, if we just appreciate one another, I think that might actually take us a lot further as a people than we um, are able to appreciate right now. Mm-hmm. 
And on the flip side, on a positive note, the theme of the entire trip is entrepreneurship, right? And when we got there, I was surprised to see how many people, we were talking about this before the interview, how many people have a side hustle. So that's kind of almost an expectation. If yeah. you're here, I used to sell study guides back in undergrad, back yeah. in the day. <laughs> that was my side hustle night. Yeah. was the only one who did that. People said, oh, you know, that's a good thing that, you know, good, good for you. But when I got there, it was kind of just, you know, you had to have that. That was sort of the bare minimum. And we're going to talk about Choco Love later on. And that was a woman who was a lawyer full time and yeah. did a chocolate business on the side. And even the chocolate business is, you know, yeah. She can live off of that. (laughs) And to her husband's surprise. So, yeah, I think the entrepreneurial spirit of the people is what surprised me the most. It's just the fact that you could have your day job, but that's just your nine to five. What are you doing five to nine? Mm -hmm. That's sort of an automatic question. So, I think, like I said, the entrepreneurial spirit of the people, but then also, like you said, the the humility, Mm -hmm. the welcoming. The food. <laughs> I mean, I must. I've, I've honestly gained fifteen pounds while I was there because I was there for yeah. a good month, and yeah. that was probably the trip before and after combined. But still, right, right. <laughs> and okay. you know, okay. we, <laughs> we don't judge. Um, during the, the medical portion of the trip, I was there as a non-medical student, and so I was able to kind of step back and just watch them in action and just take a minute to just see. Because when you were in your zone, Sam, you didn't. I would say, Yo, Sam. And you wouldn't hear me. He would be focused on his patient. That's one thing I didn't really realize. Like the MDs, the PharmDs, the nurse practitioners, when they're in front of their patient, everything else just fades to the background. And you could even call their name and they don't hear you. They just hear what that person in front of them is saying. And so one position we kind of made up on the fly was, what about if we had scribes? And I know that's an old term. I don't know what you call it now. Oh, no, there's no scribes. Yeah, so you're the person who takes the clinical notes while the doctor is focusing on the patient because they don't want to disconnect and say, okay, hold on. We just write that down, what you said. So you're kind of there just observing, and then you they kind of forget that you're even there, too, because now they can fully focus. Like Dr. Griswold, Dr. Kim Griswold, who's also um, a doctor who came on this trip, actually is a UB faculty uh, member. She teaches here. And I was able to do that for her and just observe them. And a lot of the things that you mentioned, they were education-based. So, for example, somebody who had hypertension or who perhaps had diabetes or, you know, high, let's say, cholesterol, they wouldn't know. But then once we tested it, they said, oh, well, and then you start to ask them more questions about their diet and exercise and things of that nature. And when you get to Ghana, you realize the food is amazing. I loved it. But, you know, I'm personally a diabetic. So the the carb, the carbs in the food is very high. So it makes sense that a lot of people would have these issues. And it runs in the family because you're all eating this sort of cuisine. And then also the portions. Granted, when we went to the restaurants, it was amazing because I never had to extra extra side. We could actually split like you, me and Orion could split a plate and we would both be full and we would still have leftovers. That would never happen. No offense to Buffalo. I love Buffalo (laughs) and they food. But, you know, you you, you can't get full off one plate. So, yeah, it made sense. Like it was a great, you know, for us to experience. But at the same time, on the flip side, on the health side, you think, hmm, you know, if if it's this good, there's got to be a downside to this as well. So I think... Part of that was education, just saying, okay, you know, portion control, you know, this is great. You know, the tilapia is going to be here tomorrow. <laughs> you know, got to finish it all in one sitting. So, and then exercise, you know, having to, because a lot of cars, that was another thing that surprised me is how many cars are riding around Ghana. So the roads can't even keep up with how many vehicles are on the roads. And I'm just, that was one of the questions we asked Professor Asimov was, how are there so many vehicles here? And she was saying, well, we're developing faster than we can keep up. Mm-hmm. And so that's a good thing. But at the same time, you know, you've got to develop infrastructure and roads and things to accommodate. So sometimes a family will have two, three vehicles 
And sometimes the family will have drivers. That was another thing I was surprised at how bougie, you know, some of these families can be. <laughs> and Professor Asamoah is very humble. Yeah. But um, she said, oh, yeah, my brother-in-law is sending us a driver. He'll be, you know, accommodating <laughs> us for dinner. I was like, excuse me? <laughs> Rewind. So, yeah, a lot of people are very wealthy. And then when you go and you see some of the, the structures that they build people, it's not uncommon for people to build their own homes. And I'm talking from the ground up. So you don't just buy the house. You spend 10 years plus building the house. As, as whatever you envision, you tell the architect, they draw it, they create it, and then you don't take a loan. That's another thing. They d the culture is not about borrowing. It's not about, okay, have it now, pay for it later. That is kind of the mentality we have here. Like, oh, you know, I'll just swipe my credit card. And, you know, a lot of places were like, um, <laughs> cash only. <laughs> what do you mean? So we were riding around the town and we would see a lot of structures uncompleted. And we would ask, we'd say, hey, why is this, you know, home or building not completed? And that's because they don't take loans out. They either they own it fully 100 percent or it's not getting done. And if they'd rather take the time and build it the right way and then own it at the end as Peaceful. opposed to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, build it piecemeal as opposed to, you know, kind of have your folks involved. So then they could own it at the end. So, yeah, I just, I was just surprised by how little I'm doing here and how much more I could, I could do even when I'm here. There's so many, you know, we, we always like to blame, at least in this country, we're very complaint heavy. And we like to say, oh, there are barriers to entry here, barriers to entry there. It's so difficult to get into this. Whereas a lot of people who don't have as many resources, they don't have time for those sorts of excuses. It's like, are right, we're going to get this done or not? Which which side are you on? Okay, you're not coming? Cool. I'll find somebody else. So you stay hungry and you get things done. Whereas here, there's a sort of complacency that I've noticed. So I was really inspired and I plan on going again next year. You know, I'm trying to convince Sam that you might be working by that time or in residency. But um, I definitely plan on returning next year. So that was a long-winded answer, but or tangent, I should say. But... Um, yeah, it's <laughs> Did all that relevant. answer the question? <laughs> it's all relevant. Um, so, as far as like the cultural aspects go, like, um, what were your accommodations were you there? Were you staying with host families, or were you at like hostels, hotels? Like, how did that kind of work out? Did that vary? The first year was the first year when they first started the trip. It was at a hotel. Then some people gave the feedback of saying, you know, the hotel was nice, but I kind of would have been. I kind of would have appreciated being more around, you know, in the culture. And we didn't do host families this year. Maybe that's something she's, you know, toiling with. Mm -hmm. That might happen down the line, but it is a pretty fresh program. So we yeah. stayed at Gimpa, and I'll let Sam yeah. expand on that. So Gimpa is a college campus, um, and uh, that's pretty much where we stay for, that was like our, our home base. Um, so we you want to tell what the acronym means? <laughs> uh, if I can remember. I think it's like the I got Ghana Institute. Institute. <laughs> uh, um. I thought it was. <laughs> yeah, <you got> this. <laughs> this is another thing we would always be, you know, shady on the trip. We got to know each other really well. Um, it stands for Ghana Institute of Management and Public Administration. So a lot of the students who were there normally, they were on vacation. So we kind of went during their Christmas break. Mm -hmm. So we were able to, you know, stay on the campus. My bad. Continue. No, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, we uh, the, pretty much stayed in what was equivalent to like a hotel. You know, um, again, but they took really good care of us. Breakfast pretty much every morning. Um, you know, we had uh, very comfortable beds, uh, ironing, um, you know, room service. Not Spoiled. room service, but not pretty much. But. People thought that, I'm just going to, you know, be, you know, up front. People thought we were going to be staying in, like, farms or, or, you know, rural areas. They said, oh, my gosh, did you, did you have Wi-Fi? Did yeah. you have electricity where you were? And we were just like, yeah, we were. Thank you. You could have, we show, I showed people the pictures, and they were blown away about 
where we were staying yeah. in the other hotel that we visited. So, you know, the common misconceptions sure. are that, you know, you're going to be out on the safari. Right. And it's like, nah, fam. There, <laughs> there are different levels. Was, to, was that a, was that an expectation of yours? Did you guys know prior what, what to expect in, in terms of just how the to some degree, to some degree, um, you know, at least I've been there before. Right, so. we're biased because we've been <laughs> to Africa. So. so, you know, we knew that it wasn't all just, you know, what you see on the Discovery Channel things of that nature. Well, um, at the same time, though, I do want to get the caveat that at least uh, when we were at the medical um, proponents, given where we were and the lack of access, we did have to sleep in tents. Um, but even with those tents, we were uh, we were with the Ghana Navy. Um, they kind of set all that stuff up for us. They were fantastic. Um, and they also served as our, essentially our protectors while we are doing you know, this mission work. Um, so we felt very safe. Um, and, you know, it was, it was a great time for me. Um, even though we were kind of in the middle of like I guess you would call it like a not really a forest but uh, I'm not really sure what the right terminology is for it I couldn't tell you I just know that they incorporate greenery wherever they can so we would have anthills on the campus you know it just (laughs) it just had a very natural zen vibe to it and that was intentional they could have made that concrete but they incorporated into the campus to kind of give it more of a you know a homey feel so I think that was intentional yeah, Gimpo was, was pretty beautiful mm-hmm. and very, very... There were like two, three weddings on the campus while we were there. Oh. And I'm not even kidding. We were passing by on our way to our dorm, and then there was a wedding on this side. There was a wedding that, on the other side the other day. So they used the ven- as like a venue service. So they're actually very, like I said, entrepreneurial. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> make it work. Fantastic. Well, do you want to dive into the entrepreneurial half of this stuff? What, oh, sure. What, what, what else is going on? So it's, it's so entrepreneurial based, but like what exactly, you know, does that mean in this context? Like how are you working with businesses in the area or what What was your project? So, okay. So th- those are kind of two different um, conversations. So the entrepreneurial side, I would say we visited a lot. of. Uh, we talked to a lot of entrepreneurs. We even mm-hmm. had like an all women's panel with one man who was <laughs> getting his PhD studying women entrepreneurs. So that's why he was on the panel. But um, we got to talk to a lot of the people who are doing this. Like, for example, we can talk about Chocolate Love. If you want, you can try the chocolate uh, while, while I tell you about okay, it. Well, you plug it, we'll eat it. So uh, for, your, for your listeners, um, we were able to visit a company called Chocolate Love, which is started by a female who is currently a lawyer. That's her daytime profession. But on the side, she thought, hmm, you know, chocolate, cocoa is a very, you know, it's one of John Gunn's chief exports. So chocolate is a big, you know, popular products so she figured oh let me do this but let me just do it better and they're tasting it right now so i'll let you give you reviews go ahead what you think what you think it's fantastic so this is this is milk chocolate right yeah Yeah. Uh this seems um it seems like it's a higher yeah uh that's cocoa content than what we would 100%. 100%. Do you want to delve into he's that? He's clearly a connoisseur. He's clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Jake, Jake and I actually talked about chocolate recently. We both really? like the darker chocolate. Yeah, yeah. I prefer, I prefer I'm, a, I'm more of a, like a super dark chocolate yeah. myself. So I didn't get the dark chocolate bar. I could have brought so that. So it's fine. I got you next year. Okay. Even okay. though this is milk chocolate, if you compare it to what you would have, say, here, here in the States, it's a lot richer. Is it's it a milk lot chocolate more. white here? Or no? Um, no, that's, no, that's right. That's like that white chocolate. Yeah. Okay. Milk chocolate is like like a right. bar. Yeah, like it's added milk into it. So, yeah, it's not as much, um, you know, like uh, uh, processed sugars and, and things of that nature that are added mm-hmm. to this. They try to keep it as pure as possible. And Chocolate Love is actually a company that specializes in like luxury brand chocolates. So, like being in Ghana, which is, um, at least for a long time, it was the number one 
uh, Coco uh, exporter, I think just recently, I three coast, um, you know, superseded them. But the <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so you know, they have access to very pure cocoa. They have a very uh, robust process in terms of how they they process the beans and, and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it kind of took us through all of that, and and, and you know, just listening to them is <laughs> just so like fascinating because she literally was just you know kind of a lawyer and she i think she did some type of like uh catering like on the side mm-hmm. um but nothing husband was like a production manager correct so that's what he did for his living and when she said hey i want to do this he laughed her out the room and he was like nah girl this is what i do right. this is what i do for a living you're not going to be successful at this you don't know how much goes into this she's like oh word okay yeah. and so i don't know if it was pettiness or the, a, a sometimes you gotta use reverse psychology just, right <laughs> <laughs> so she went and made it happen, and then now her husband is helping her run the company. Absolutely. And I don't know if you can show them, well, the picture that you're going to post. We'll, we'll tweet a picture of these bars um, when yes. we release the show. But I'm like I'm thinking, like, if you flip it to the back, right? You see the ingredients? Mm-hmm. You know how when you get a traditional American item, how thick is the ingredient section? Yeah, it's oh, pretty A good paragraph. <laughs> this has two, 1.5 lines. The rest of the line is no cocoa butter substitutes. Yeah. As a chocolate connoisseur, or I mean, I'm sure you can appreciate, yeah. it's very natural very, flavors. Very and next pure. time I go, Jake, I'll bring you the dark chocolate. Appreciate it. <laughs> I think that was one of her most popular flavors right after yep. real chocolate is the dark chocolate because they're mm-hmm. focused on health benefits. Mm-hmm. And the purer the chocolate, obviously the dark chocolate is the purest. Yeah. And I think it was 70-something percent chocolate. Pure chocolate. Yeah. And that's unheard of. That's, that's <laughs> the milk talk- chocolate brand, I think it was, actually. So the dark mm-hmm. chocolate brand is even mm-hmm. more. And when we went to her uh, production line, it's, what well, I would say, three people max. Mm-hmm. And we saw it from start to finish. Mm-hmm. So within, I would say, not even the room, like two rooms of what we're in right now. I know they can't see us, but... It was a really tight space. I don't know if you want to give me the dimensions or anything. Probably <laughs> 20 feet by 30 feet. Yeah. So, you're guessing out. Yeah. yeah. So double this size. And we just saw it from the production line. It went into, I don't know what you call the, the machines. Yeah. But um, maybe you can help me out with that. <laughs> but um, within like 10 minutes, you saw it chucked out of this machine and it was gourmet made. And then the wrappers, you can customize the wrappers. Yeah. So you can have it. Like this wrapper right here has my name on it, so you can have your name. If, it, if you wanted to gift it to somebody, mm-hmm. it's very you know common to hit her up for that. And then she also has a shop in the airport, which yep. is not hard, which yep. is not easy to get at all. Correct. So I'm sorry. Um. So yeah, their, their brand is that they only sell you know the gourmet line uh, chocolate, so they're not available readily. Um, you can only get them in like I think one their catering service you would have to call. Um, and you know they do like parties and things of that nature. And, so most of their clientele base is uh, is through recommendation, just word of mouth. Um, and then they have like the one stand, like Sloan mentioned, in the, in the airport. So yeah, I mean, kind of just listening to them talk about their experiences and how they got to where they got to from where they were originally, um, that, that just gives you all that inspiration and, and, and kind of a little bit of that know-how, mm-hmm. you know, and then you see just how you can run a relatively, you know, at least from profit margin side, they, I know they didn't have the figures readily available, but you tell just kind of from how they're talking about it, that it's pretty profitable business. You can tell by the way the husband was talking about yeah, it, that it was profitable, because <laughs> profitable he was like, if she wanted to quit and just do this, <laughs> yeah. she could do that and we could oh, Absolutely, fine. yeah. You know, so. with, with relatively low overhead, <laughs> I think they had just talked about the space that they had um, bought, and you know. Oh yeah, they're the, expanding. Yep, mm-hmm. and even like how they acquired the machines was, you know, Relatively, like through like chance, I think they were speaking to 
Um, somebody like, who knew somebody. Yep. And that somebody was the chief executive of a chocolate company it's, who happened to hook them up. Essentially. Uh-huh. Really interesting backstories and, you know, you kind of see how these things uh, kind of manifest from essentially nothing, you know, just an idea. And that's that's really inspiring, especially for, you know, young entrepreneurs like ourselves. We definitely think that we need more examples of that to kind of just keep keep keeping that noggin' churning. <laughs> so that's that's really nice. We also did visit factories, so we visited um, the, the milk factory as well. So we got to see both sides, from the small scale to the large scale production. So we went through the entire factory, and we saw like what what can you compare it to here in America? You mean the the, the milk the fan, fan milk fan milk that we went to? Um, I mean, I've never been to a factory in America, so I don't neither really have I. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have much to compare well, it to. Uh, I mean, they're actually they be like Haagen Dazs, but they also do a lot of yogurts and stuff. I mean, I think Haagen Dazs does like a lot of yogurts, but mm-hmm. don't quote me on that. Um, so yeah, so they um they were originally an ice cream company that was I think purchased by I want to say Dan. I think he did say Dan. I want to say Dan. Um, so, so a lot of their processes were kind of streamlined from what you know Dan had been doing in terms of how they made their yogurts. So you see kind of how that implementation works in a, in a different environment, um, and I think that is one of the highest, uh, if not the you know like top in terms of market share for um, Ghana. Um, so it's just really interesting, kind of taking elements from different spheres. Um, so obviously, Dan I think is. Want to say Danish, but I could be completely wrong. They're big names. Yeah. Um, so wherever they're from, and they took their processes and brought it to, you know, just showing you that side of globalization that um, kind of is, is something that we're interested in in terms of taking mm-hmm. some American processes and American concepts, trying to see how we can incorporate it into, uh, you know, the, the West Africa in, in particular. Um, I think it's really interesting because there's certain things that you might think intuitively, oh, you know, just do this but in actuality uh, it doesn't work that way and I think we see that a lot of the time um, in, in just kind of these anecdotes from different businesses so being on the front lines and seeing it firsthand is an experience that I don't think too many people get to get um, so that that was obviously a fantastic mm-hmm. so we talked market share but then we also talked marketplace so if you go to Ghana and I think they have pictures hopefully we can um, send that to you as well for your blog but um, you go to the marketplace where they pretty much sell everything you could think of. And you also negotiate that. So if you oh. do want souvenirs. Yeah. That's how it is in the Middle East too. Yeah. You know, all so you, it's fun. all about haggling. So <laughs> if somebody says, so if we want to give um, an idea, like Ghana CDs. CDs are the currency. And apparently CDs come from cowrie shells. That's how they originated the name. So I got me some cowrie shells. <laughs> so um, the Ghana CDs, if you pay, let's say, if you exchange one US dollar, you get about 480 490 max depending on who you're going to so almost one to five of a ratio so needless to say when we got to Ghana you know a couple of us had uh, money to play with <laughs> so we were low-key we low-key balling when we went there because we some of us just started spending like we didn't have no sense but um, when we went to the marketplace if somebody said 50 CDs that's just their starting point they don't actually want to yeah. sell it to you for that they might want you know 30 so for example like you can you really there's a class here that you know negotiations i think they recommend we take next year as mbas <laughs> so it's it's inter- it's great to take a class but i feel like that was the best sort of class in negotiations i could take it because you were up front doing, and it was uncomfortable at first yeah because yeah, i don't know <laughs> yeah, if you they, did. They, they hound you they do you know, and even myself as a native um i felt like it was just you know a little uh 
little lack of disregard, uh, excuse me, lack of regard for your own personal space. Because <laughs> they really want to sell it to you. you know? They're not really in any danger. Or anything if like this that, is a but... talk show, you could demonstrate. But oh. just imagine. Just yeah. Imagine. Yeah, you know, they, 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 they like, oh, they will, they will, like, somebody didn't grab me. And I was yeah. like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, I'm from Mount Vernon, which is by the South Bronx. You don't touch, you don't come from behind somebody and grab them. That's how you get punched. So I had to, you know, restrain my reflexes and be like, all right, I'm in a different country. For, uh, you know, adjust. Flexibility and adaptability. As, you know, our professor always preaches. Absolutely. And so, for like a quick example, a guy wanted to show me, sell me um, cowrie shells for 60 CDs. And obviously, I look like a foreigner. So he yeah. knows if you were talking to a local, it would have been 30 starting mm-hmm. price. But he doubled it because he was like, oh, I could take advantage of this girl. Yeah. So I spent maybe 30, 45 minutes. Yeah. What you have to do is you have to play games. You got to walk <laughs> away from the shop, yeah. go to the next shop, and the next shop, the next shop. And then each of them are like, no, 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 come to mind, come to mind. So then you put them against each and other, each and then other. they battle each other <laughs> for <those>. you. <laughs> and you're just kind of standing there like, all right, y'all. I'll duke it out and then whoever gives me the best price I'll take and then whoever gave me the best price ended up being the original guy who wanted to charge me 60 CDs and so I said I'll give you and he got down to like 40 between their haggling so I was like no I'll give you 10 and he was like nah no, 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 I'm not doing that I was like okay so I left and then he's like okay come back come back and then another five minutes later he's like alright fine I'll give you 10 so yeah you just really got that it really pushes you to get what you want so I really I really enjoyed that I felt really good about myself <laughs> walking out of that shop but um what else is I going to say I lost my train of thought so, so you get to put you know these pedagogies. marketplace that's where we were going that's, that's where we're at with so I get there so I get to start once to you know kind of tie in the the, uh, the application of some of the things that we're learning, specifically what Sonja just talked about in terms of pretty much using sellers um, against one another to, to lower your prices here. I feel like you might have learned that in school at some point. So that was awesome. Um, you know, and it, it was definitely a thrill. Uh, at first, you kind of, I, and I'll admit, I was, even as a native, I was, uh, I think I was taking advantage of my first day. I might have overpaid for a couple wears, but, you know, you, you kind of, uh, I'm trying to remember, I got like a pair of sandals, a really nice soccer jersey. And then a T-shirt. And I think I paid like what was uh, like in US like thirty bucks. Like I wasn't ripped off from That's a US a lot. standpoint. That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so did you not try to haggle at all at first? No, because no. um, I was like, oh, it's thirty bucks. <laughs> you know, yeah. like uh-huh. like I made a great deal. And then um, you know you get back and they're like, man, you kind of got ripped off. And it's like, man. So then you know we go back. <laughs> I think a couple of days later, and now I'm on top of my game because <laughs> I have a little bit more awareness. Um, and yeah, it's it, it becomes fun. I know a friend of mine, Quasi, who's the nurse practitioner, is also on the trip. He man, he made a killing there. Just. Uh, just being a fantastic haggler. Some people got yeah. like fifteen <laughs> items for the same price, which yep. would be thirty US. Yeah, yeah, was. The Queen Mothers, we're getting up to. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, which did you want to talk about when we? The to? marketplace. Oh, okay. Yep. So we went to uh, a marketplace. Um, so basically, how the marketplace is, you can get pretty much all types of wares from food to uh, just little trinkets to uh, medicines, um, like traditional herbal medicines, uh, lotions. Um, so they uh, kind of. I don't want to say a union, but what would be the closest thing to a union here in, in, in the States? They're kind of like, uh, they get together and they put their, they pull their money together, something called SUSU. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of how they pay for some of the, uh, you know, the storefronts. Um, so then they, you know, they'll get their wares from, they all have like individual merchants that they buy from, whether it be, you know, fish or what have you. And they'll sell all this uh, stuff at this, you know, one marketplace. Um, so you get to see just, the, the day-to-day hustle and bustle of it, it was, man, it was an experience. And you will get shoved. 
Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, so yeah. In the way, and it's, it's a like high a steady flow. It's chaos, but it's organized chaos. Very much. People so. are you know moving and shaking, but everybody knows how to move and shake. Whereas we were just kind of like standing in the in the crossfire, like okay, where do Absolutely. I go? What do I do? That's where like do I stand? New York City, right? But see, in New York City, I can finesse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, used to it. Different. You know, there's that dance, but then yeah. it's the same thing there. They have their own little system. But then also, one thing I wanted to talk about was the Queen Mothers, which is pretty much a group of women who run the marketplace. So <laughs> it was interesting to kind of see women in the in a leadership role, mm-hmm. but then at the same time, ordering men. <laughs> so it was kind of flipped where if they're the queen mother, it does, it's not necessarily, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's not necessarily passed down generationally. It's dependent on your performance. I don't know if you want to correct me on that. Um, I think that is what they, they stated mm-hmm. at you know, the marketplace. So the queen mothers of the marketplace is a little bit different from the traditional queen mothers. That that is passed down more. That's know, like from, right? And, I mean, even then, it, it is generational to some mm-hmm. extent um, because it's based on ge- uh, geographic location and region. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also you know a, a merit based uh, system that's kind of applied to it, and you know you kind of got to be on top of your game and really get selected for that. So, uh-huh. so I think the way the rental system works, each person gives a CD per day, so it's about thirty CDs mm-hmm. by the end of the month, and then that's how the SUSU system works. So if you get a CD from each market from each market vendor, there's so many vendors I couldn't even tell you how many. But the crazy thing is they pack up shop and set up shop every single day. So it's not like a storefront where you just lock the doors and you oh, go home. So it's kind of no, like a farmers market. Exactly. exactly. So you kind of got to pack up the whole thing, put it yeah. on the cart, and then wheel your shop home literally, and then wheel it back the next day, wow. and then set it up again. Yeah. So yeah, and then. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I mean, just kind of more of the same. Um, you know, the work ethic there is just insane. Amazing. I mean, I saw a woman who she had a child on her back, and, you know, and we do this thing kind of like we wrap them up in a papoose, but behind us. Um, and, you know, she's still going about her day job selling and, and just fantastic. It's uh, just mm-hmm. really refreshing to see just how hard people can work in. Yeah. And child back. Yeah. Um, things on in the hands up front, and then a massive amount of stuff on her. Oh head. man, it just all kinda, being balanced. Yeah. And yeah, she was just like, just kind of pushing. So, <laughs> so we started it on her head. It was just on her head because uh, yeah. she had other things and in her baby. hand and, and a baby, baby on her back. You know, put you the same. You spend thousands of dollars on higher education. <laughs> I, I triple like, it upstairs. Not half as talented as this lady. So I think man. some of the undergrads, like one undergrad, started taking pictures. So she started posing for her, like, yeah, yeah. She just dated. It worked, so it was amazing. It was amazing to see. Oh, jeez. So, we're almost done. Oh, but a couple quick questions for you. Um, what's what's next on the agenda? I mean, do you plan on... I know we're going to Costa Rica in two weeks. Um, do you plan on doing any other Global Perspectives trips? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, with the MDMEA, it's kind of weird. We have to go back into our fourth year of medical school, at least next semester. So I'll be out the MBA school for a bit, but I still do plan on going to Ghana. So oh, you're going again? Uh, I'll be back. Damn, okay. <laughs> so we actually out. got the you know the ball <laughs> got the ball rolling on um, planning for next year already. Um, it's probably going to take at least from the medical side. It's probably going to take a little bit of a different look, and obviously also from the business side. So um, you know, we actually just met with uh, 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 some faculty from the dental school yesterday, and uh, you know we're going to probably have like a dental component. So there's going to be some dental students on this trip too. So. Um, you know, we've already got the ball rolling and uh, making some phone calls, so it's going to be busy. But um, the date should probably be around the same time, around yeah. the December 26th after Christmas. to January 4th, January yep. 4th to January 17th, medical and management respectively. Yep. So, you know, some more details come out, at least it pertains to that. We'll definitely, uh, you know, keep everyone updated and post. 
Mm-hmm. And that's actually been a tradition. The first year, Evelyn went and Danielle Vasquez went, and then they returned this year. Yeah. This year, Sam is gone. I've gone. I think Kiera's gone, and yeah. we're all three of us returned. So there's systematically been a system of okay, you're the returner. We're passing yeah. the torch to you. Yeah. All right, now go find the next returners. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and then these are usually the people who are project leads. So I don't think we had much time to talk about the management projects, but I'll just give you a quick, quick overview. Um, we had one person um, doing. We had a creative problem solving, which is an entrepreneurial workshop. So one student did that with uh, Professor Thomas Ulbrich, who we all took <laughs> um, back way back in when. And then we had another person. Um, I actually did the coding project. So we're actually going to have uh, this is a little plug a fashion show, which is going to be a fundraiser here in Buffalo. It's going to be Taste of Ghana. Um, oh, I will uh, forward you guys the details yeah. as far as date, location, and time. Okay. Feel free to come. And a lot of us who went, who actually got ceremonial wear, are going to be modeling it. Uh, yeah. And we're also going to have food, games, and then this is going to serve as a fundraiser to help raise funds to build a, com- a computer lab. Oh because God. the school That's that we fantastic. went to, at least when we tried to do the coding for kids project, one of the barriers that I encountered was not having enough computers. So we had to do, we had to kind of finesse and do an unplugged version where we could kind of teach the concepts of coding, but without an actual computer. But it would be really nice to have one. And mm-hmm. a computer lab is one thing that the school from Bangladeshi actually requested is something that they're trying to have um, implemented. So that fashion show, I'll send you guys the details yeah. of what we're going to do it's as a fundraiser be, to build that. Well, Ghanaian cuisine Oh yes. going to be served. Uh, yes, so, so expect, you know, you know jollof rice. Please just make know. room. <laughs> red, red, which is beans and plantain. Yeah. I don't know if, he's, if she's going to have... Um, We'll see. I think I think we're still the the, the menu's still coming. The menu's out. coming together. So yeah. we'll keep you know, But just know it's gonna be yeah, gonna it's be busy. This is a couple weeks, a month out. Like What's how far out is it? I believe it's in April. In April? Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll definitely have this episode up by then, so we'll post links and information to that as well. Okay. Awesome. So one more fundraiser. We have our soup fundraiser also that's gonna be going on. Um just gotta get my hands on some boxes here. Mm-hmm. Um so we're gonna be collecting like used shoes, slightly worn shoes. Um, and we're going to be collecting them so that we can give back to the organization. And then they will be sending us a check so that we can actually put some toward uh, some of the drugs that we're going to be buying for you know next year's trip. So um, any little bit can help. And, you know, uh, you probably see the, the box going around in school management. Probably going to have one in the medical school and the pharmacy school as well. So, you know, as soon as those, uh, those uh, box locations get out, we'll start putting those flyers. Yeah. We also were doing um, school supplies, so, you know, things like pens, erasers, pencils, notebooks, little things we were yes. collecting as well. Yes, these are people that are very much in need, and, you know, every little bit goes along way. Yeah. Absolutely. And the drugs weren't even nothing crazy. It was like Tylenol, <laughs> Motrin, yeah. little yeah. things. Yeah, it's true. You know? It's true. Yeah, yeah. we'll, take we'll your send you all you guys that uh, so you can have it for your listeners. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah we'll include all that in the show notes. Um, and then for any of you listening who uh, found this particularly interesting, um, we'll post links to the UB webpage that has all the information about the different trips that the school offers. Um, as I previously mentioned, Sonia and I are going to Costa Rica in a couple of weeks, and we're actually going to do a podcast while we're down there. Yeah, people we're working with. Nice. So we'll, we'll have a, an on-site, po- live on-site okay. podcast. You're working on your Spanish, man? Uh, not as much as I wish I had. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Um but yeah, there's lots of cool trips. There's a China trip, the Ghana trip, as we've mentioned. There's the Costa Rica trip, as we've mentioned. There's one to Prague and Budapest, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, domestic trips as well. Yeah, and then there's a handful of domestic trips to boot. So, Cali, Florida, Chi-Town. Mm-hmm. So I mean, if you're interested in coming to this school or if you're already here and want to know what you can do, there's plenty of opportunities for travel. Thank you for joining us, Sam, Sonia. Yeah, thanks Thank so much. Thank you very much. We appreciate us. it. Really appreciate it. I mean, 
there's so much. You guys are so passionate about it. It's, yes. It's <laughs> fantastic. I mean, this is this is one of my favorite podcasts. Yeah, this has meant a lot. Of fun. You guys have an MBA class, and we're just like, all right, we focus on ops. This is like fun. Absolutely. What cool stories. Awesome. Well, thank you. Tune in next time. Peace. Whatever. However it is. Okay. <laughs> Alrighty.